morning, um, I just want to give you a little bit of background um, for those of you who may, may be new or may have missed some of the series we've been on. We've been on a series called Untold Christmas, and we've been talking about the, some of the parts of the Christmas story, the first Christmas, that are often untold because Christmas has been buried beneath so many layers of cultural celebration that a lot of what happened in the first Christmas and the significance of it uh, it, is hard to find. It's often not talked about. So we've been doing our best to tell the story. And uh, if you wanted to catch up on any of those, you can go to our YouTube channel or Facebook or our website, and you can uh, find the last three services uh, starting on Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, you can catch up on those if you'd like to. Uh, But we've been talking about the Christmas story, and the first Christmas... Um, Jesus was born to a, a teenage mother and her husband, uh, and this is no ordinary baby, the Bible tells us, that this baby Jesus is somehow, by some miracle, this is actually God who's come to earth. And I'm just going to give you the, the thoughts of the last few weeks, and then we'll jump into today. So Jesus came, um, there, here's some simple truths about why he came. Jesus came in the flesh, so he wasn't an angel. He wasn't a spirit. He was an actual person. Jesus came at just the right time. He wasn't early or late historically. There was a specific time the Bible teaches us. Jesus came to make the invisible God visible. God is a spirit, so none of us can see him. But but Jesus came in the flesh visibly so that we could hear and touch and see that there really is a God. And Jesus came to bring good news, not good advice. And then last week, Pastor Mark talked about Jesus came to bring light to the darkness. Now, I want to give you one more of those Christmas story truths that's often untold. Jesus came to bring new life. I don't know if you uh, have noticed as I have, but we Americans are fascinated by new things. How many of you like the new car smell? Right? Nothing like pulling that cellophane back. Now, you know, for the next eight years, you'll pay for it, but other than that... It's great for a minute, you know what I mean? The new car smell, the um, new services, you know, it's like, oh, hey, they'll just deliver that to your house, or they, there's a company that does that now. Great. You know, where do I find them? We love new services. We love new apps. Oh, I'll just download that. It's a, you know, it's a, there's an app for that. New relationships, a new house, nothing like a new house for a minute, you know, until it starts to break. Um, I don't know, not everyone will know this. But those of you who are a little more tech savvy, you'll, 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 you'll get it right away. You can go on YouTube and there are entire channels dedicated to just unboxing new things. Like I don't for the life of me understand this. I can't be entertained by watching you buy something new and open it. That doesn't do anything for me. Like, like look, when I was raised, we didn't get a lot of new stuff. Nobody had to tell us how to open it. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking if you don't know how to open something, maybe you ought not to have it. I don't need an instructional video. It's like trying to teach a kid what to do with a snowball. You don't teach a kid what to do with a snowball. They pick it up and throw it. And, and then maybe some of you are kind of like me, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you reach for something on the, on the shelf, and you kind of push it aside. You know what I'm talking about? And you reach for that one in the back because everybody's touched this one. You know, they picked it up and read it and put it back, licked it and slobbered on it and put it back. But I don't want that one. How many, of, how many of you do that, right? You reach for that one in the back. Yeah, you do. 
And it's not just the expiration date. I hear you. I can hear you saying it. It's not just that. We love new things. You ever noticed how fast new things become old things? Man, there's nothing uh, old like a Christmas tree in January. Just wait. That tree that you walk in every day and go, oh, isn't it beautiful? Give it a month and leave it up till about February. And let's see how you feel about it. We love new things. It's, uh, uh, but new things become old like last season's clothes. We crave new things. We, and I think that we do that because we long to defy the odds. We long to defy sickness and aging and, and death and, yes, maybe even taxes. You know, we long to defy those limitations and hindrances and those things that press up against us in life. And there's something deep inside each one of us that rebels against us. But the reason that we all share that deep craving is because it's something that God, God put in us. Romans 8.22 says it like this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. See, what happened is God created a perfect world with two perfect people. And then when sin entered the world, it broke every person. And it broke everything on our planet. And it broke our planet. And it broke our universe. And look, our, our, our uh, system, the, the systems of the universe, the systems of the world, they're never going to work entirely properly because they're broken. And that brokenness separated creation from its creator. And that's why deep in the heart of every person, there's this longing when something bad happens or there's bad news or you see something on TV, there's this longing that wells up inside of us, some of the time at least, that says, I wish things were different. I want things to be different. I wish things weren't the way that they are. And what Romans 8.22 says is, that's the longing that God put inside of you as a created being to be connected to your creator in the form that he made you. You want to be whole. You want to be like he intended for you to be. So creation, um, this verse says, is groaning like, a, like, like a, a woman in labor. Now, those of you ladies who've had children, and those of you guys who you've walked through that process with your wife, you know how this goes. You know, there's morning sickness and and everybody wants that to end. And that passes. And then there's this like pregnancy glow. You know what I'm talking about? There's this time, this season where it's just, it's beautiful. And there's all the new maternity clothes. And there's all the, you know, all the, then you get the uh, ultrasound. And you get the scan. And there's this great anticipation. And everything is so good. Till you get to, you know, about the eighth or ninth month. And then, you know, there's Charlie horses in your calf muscles. And there's, you know, this, this, uh, this uh, weariness and this burden that starts to take over you. And then there's this moment where, where uh, ladies, if this is you, or guys, if you're participating, you're part of this, you see that labor begins. And when labor begins, you rush to the hospital, and you know, you know that it's time. And in that moment, all of the all of the giddiness and the fun and the new maternity clothes and the pictures and all, all that's gone. There's only one thing left that woman wants. 
she wants that baby out. <laughs> right? It's over. It's, hey, all that's gone. All the click, click pictures, all, all that's over. No more maternity clothes. Throw them away. Take them to the thrift store. I'm done. I'm done. I want this baby out. This is long enough. It's interesting that Romans chapter 8, that's what Romans chapter 8 says that we're like. In fact, all of creation is this way. We long to be delivered. We long to be released. We long to be freed. We long to be reconnected with our creator. But here's the thing. None of us has the ability I don't have the ability, you don't have the ability. No human who's ever lived has ever had the ability to reconnect to the Creator, to reconnect to God, to form a relationship with Him. And that's why Jesus Christ came to earth to make a path back for, to God. And here's how Jesus said it Himself. Look at John 10 9. I am the gate, Jesus said. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. See, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking if we can just make enough money, we can buy a good life. Or maybe we think if we can achieve enough, we can accomplish enough, we can earn a good life. Or maybe a lot of people think being a good person. If I can just treat the people around me good. I want to be a good person. I want to be known as a good person. And I want to treat people good. We think we can serve our way into a good life. But when Jesus was on earth, he met a man who believed something like that. And this guy wasn't just a, he was a religious leader, but he wasn't just a common religious leader. He was a leader of leaders. Actually, Jesus called him Israel's teacher. So I, we don't really know how high of a position he held, but it was a high one. And he was a religious leader. But here's the thing. He was so confused by Jesus, he couldn't get his brain around Jesus because he knew Jesus was um, from God because Jesus did miracles. And so he knew that, like, that wasn't a trick. Miracles are happening where Jesus goes, so he's got to be from God. And he knew Jesus was good because the kind of miracles that he were, was doing was helping people. And so he knew he was good, but he just didn't know how to place him. So in John 3, we find this interchange between this religious leader and Jesus. And he's, he came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. No one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And then verse 3, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So Jesus told this man and all of us how to find real life. He said, you must be born again. Now, if that sounds confusing to anybody, you're in good company. Because the, the leader himself, Israel's teacher, could not get his brain around what Jesus was saying. He's like, wait a minute, I'm an old man. How can I become a baby again? And furthermore, am I supposed to figure out how to enter my mother's womb and be born again? And so um, the New Testament was written in Greek. And to really understand the deepest meaning of what some of the phrases are, you have to go back into the Greek language and you have to see what did it say in Greek, not what does it say in English. In English, it says born again. In Greek, what it means is born from above. And so what Jesus is saying to him, he's using a play on words. 
He's saying spiritually, the man's hearing physically. But he's saying, look, the only way that you're going to find a way to God, the only way you're going to see the kingdom of God, the only way you're going to be reunited from uh, creation to creator is you have to be born again. You have to be born from above. And later in that conversation, Jesus said something to this religious leader that you've probably heard many times in your life, but you might not have put it inside this conversation. Jesus said to Nicodemus, this religious leader, in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. What does that mean? Jesus came to give new life. Jesus came to the earth to give new life. Now we're back at the Christmas story. God sent his son into the world because he wanted everyone to have new life. When I was a teenager, um, I lived in a, in a rough neighborhood, but um, I was a good kid. So by God's grace, I didn't get in trouble hardly ever. And, 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 but there was trouble all around me. <laughs> and somehow I stayed out of it. But I was in trouble in my heart because my heart was empty. And, and there was a void inside my heart that I didn't know how to address. And I remember coming to a place of um, just such agonizing emptiness and a, kind of a lack of meaning in life that uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning, one, late one Friday night, next morning, I went into my living room as a teenager and I, and I got down on my knees and I said, God, if you're real... I didn't even know if God was real. I'd, I'd been taught about him, but I didn't know if I really believed that. And I said, God, if you're real, help me. Do something to help the emptiness inside me. And I'm not one of those people that, you know, some people have this experience, and I'm always glad when they do, but it's not like, you know, the roof of my house came off and an angel came and visited me and fed me, you know, or something. I didn't have some dramatic experience that night other than I was moved to physical tears. I was kneeling in my living room. I was empty. I was crying out to God, and I was saying, God, if you're real. And honestly, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a big thing that night that I didn't, you know, notice necessarily an immediate change but let me tell you what happened the next day and the next week and the next month my life began to change I mean just like progressively my heart began to be filled with inner peace and inner joy and fullness like I had never known and the forgiveness that I received that night was the beginning of a whole new life for me. And from that time, my heart filled up and swelled up. And, and look, that was, you know, decades ago. So I want to I fast forward and catch up a little bit. Six months ago, I had major surgery, and I'm still trying to recover. About two months ago, my wife passed away. We lost her to a terrible disease. And so you, you, you come to these moments of tragedy in your life and you say, what does life mean? What matters? What really matters? 
What'll carry you through the hard times of life? And, here, and here's what I can say to you. When I was 15 years old, I found joy and peace and meaning in Jesus. And I can say to you, after these tragedies and after these losses, the most meaningful part of my life is my relationship with Jesus. Like I'm not, I didn't come to kid with you, I didn't come to give you some kind of religious mumbo jumbo. I, this holiday season has been painful. It, it's, it's sad when you lose, some of you've lost somebody, and when you lose somebody and you're in the holidays, you just miss them more. And this holiday season's been painful for my family. But I want you to know something. In the middle of it all, the most meaningful part of my life is my relationship with Jesus. After all these years. After all the... So what am I saying to you? Oh, if you, if you follow Jesus, if you give your life to Jesus, you'll never hurt again. Well, no, I'm not saying that. If you follow Jesus, everything will go your way. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you follow Jesus and give your heart to him, in spite of what happens in your life, you will still have new life. You will still be a new person. You will still have meaning, and you will still have joy, and you'll still know peace. So it really doesn't take away all of the things that can happen in life but it gives you meaning in spite of the things that can happen in your life. Do you know most Americans believe in God? Even now, I mean, that number is shrinking, but even, even now in 2023, most Americans, the majority of Americans say they believe in God. But I want to tell you something that might shock you. Believing in God doesn't make much difference. It really doesn't matter much. It, it, it doesn't make a discernible difference in a person's life whether they believe in God or not. Let me tell you what does make a difference. When you have a relationship with Jesus. I believed in God all my life. I thought I did. And it didn't really make a difference in my life until I had a relationship with Jesus and then everything changed. Everything in my life changed. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to ask you a question I want to ask you only one question, and I want to ask all of us, online and in the room, one, I'm not asking you, do you believe in God? I'm not asking you, do you have a church family? I'm not asking you um, how you were raised. I only want to ask you one question. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus? That's the only question I'm asking. I'm not asking, do you belong to a church? Do you want to be a part of this church? I'm not asking you any of that. I'm asking you one question. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus? So I think there's two kinds of people that are, that are watching and here today. One kind of person who says, you know, maybe you were like me. I'm... I'm I'm not sure. I don't know if I have a relationship. I don't know if I ever have had one. Maybe I've never had one. And here's what I want to say to you. I believe today Jesus is inviting you to have a real relationship, to start a real relationship with him. 
Then I think there's the second kind of person that says, you know, I, I have a Christian background. I know, I know, I have knowledge. I know things about God. I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says about Jesus. I, maybe I've lived a Christian life for some time, but the truth is Jesus isn't really the center of your life. And maybe you've grown cold or numb or you've just faded away. And I think Jesus' invitation to you today is it's time to return to him. It's time to come home. It's time, it's time to have a real relationship with him. <laughs> Wherever you start, whatever that means, it's time to have a real relationship with him because he wants you to come home. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. You don't have to, you don't have to move. I'm just gonna ask everybody to close their eyes. We're just gonna have a moment of prayer, okay? So if you can find a way to just be still for a minute. And I wanna ask everybody just to be respectful because people are making decisions this morning. And before we finish the rest of the service, I just wanna ask you, are you one of those two people? And is Jesus inviting you to start a real relationship, maybe to renew a real relationship with him today? And what I wanna do is I wanna just pray. I'm gonna pray with you and I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. And actually, I just invite everybody to pray this prayer. And if in your heart you say, today I wanna start a real relationship with Jesus, when we pray that prayer, man, all you have to do is pray that prayer and then, and then mean it in your heart. And what'll happen is, Jesus will wash away all the guilt and all the sin and all the shame and he'll give you new life. And it might be like me. You might not notice a big difference today. Maybe it's tomorrow and the weeks that are coming. Maybe it'll be overwhelming to you in this very moment. We don't know. But I know this. If you'll open your heart, God will meet you. So with every eye closed, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I ask you to make a path for me to God and help me reconnect with him. I ask you to fill my heart with new life. And I acknowledge Jesus that you are the Savior and you're saving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for giving me new life. Now give me the strength to follow you. With your eyes closed,